You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning. Welcome in. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Two straight hours to run through it all. So uh, let's do it for this weekend edition, this Saturday, February 8th. The number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Gordon Damer. You got the Knicks doing it again. You got the Wilpons doing it again. You have the A.J. Hinch redemption tour well underway. And two big developments with the Astros yesterday. And that story, it not only doesn't go away, it just keeps getting worse. Plus, you got the Mookie Betts trade still has not been completed yet. The Players Union coming out saying yesterday, yesterday, about the, you got to get this done yesterday, basically. Get it done as soon as possible. Although, I don't know, okay, or what? What are you going to do if we don't? Because it didn't, it didn't seem like they were going to say, well, we're going to do this if you don't do that. So we'll get into that a little bit. The trade deadline in the NBA has come and gone. We got four days until the first workout for the Yankees and the Mets. 36 days until Selection Sunday. And a mere 75 until the NFL draft. Our first weekend without NFL football uh, since September. And it's going to be a bit of a rough one. I don't know if I'm... I'm sure I will give the XFL a look, but whether or not it's going to fill the need. You know, sometimes when like you go on a diet or something like that and you say, you know what, I'm not going to eat this stuff. I'm going to eat this other stuff. This stuff is kind of good for me, at least less bad than the other stuff that I usually eat. Cauliflower crust pizza instead of re- – it doesn't really fill the need. Like you're just torturing yourself even further. So I don't know if the XFL will fill that need or not. But let's start with the headlines. And the headlines, obviously, the Houston Astros, the story that uh, won't go away, the story that continues to make the Astros look worse by the day. And uh, really, you'd have to say, continues to let make Major League Baseball look worse by the day. So yesterday you had two big developments. A, you had A.J. Hinch's interview with Tom Verducci on MLB Network. You had seen or heard some of the um, teasers of that interview. Yesterday, you got the whole thing. Then you had the article in the Wall Street Journal that the Astros cheating actually dates back to 2016 and that the front office actually put it together with a program called Codebreaker. Gee, I wonder what that could mean. Codebreaker. Not exactly calling it something off the chart. Not exactly calling it chrysanthemum or something. You know, I mean, like something really that you always go, well, I wonder what that code means. I wonder what that uh, that title means. What program would that be about? That the program, Codebreaker, that was introduced by an intern. Wall Street Journal also details how it was part of a PowerPoint presentation. Who pays attention to those, right? All these very smart people who are trying to convince you they knew nothing about it. They're doing PowerPoint presentations. And that it was used through 2017 as well as 2018. The article basically puts all the blame on basically one person. That person, Jeff Lunau. I did not go through and count the amount of times that Jeff Lunau's name is mentioned, but I believe... The only time that A.J. Hinch's name is mentioned is when it details how both Lunau and A.J. Hinch were fired. And there was one other reference, I think, to A.J. Hinch at one point. So of the people who have received punishment in this, Lunau and Hinch, the Wall Street Journal article puts 
basically all the blame at the feet of Jeff Luna, who's still denying. I did, did. They have emails being sent to him about code breaker and dark art. They have PowerPoint presentations, meetings that he's in, emails that he's responding to. What is this now? I'm, oh, I, you know what? I'm not really aware of that going on. Lunau referenced the system as, quote, the system or our dark arts and the sign-stealing department. I didn't know anything about this stuff. Oh, that was about cheating? I didn't know. I didn't get the, I didn't get that memo. No, actually you did and you responded to it. Well, I didn't read the whole memo. I only read the top half of the, that's another thing they were trying to put, pay. If you're gonna, if it's gonna be important, make sure it's in the top half of the memo because I'm not gonna read the whole thing. The general manager of the team is just unaware of what's being sent to him, what he's responding to. It's all ridiculous. So they have a couple of references to other people within the organization. Keep in mind, people that are still within the organization. Tom Koch-Wesser, the team's director of advanced information, used the term dark arts in the Astros' advanced scouting department 2019 budget budget Excel spreadsheet. According to the article, Lunau acknowledged that he reviewed the document but denied reading the tab dark arts. And he denied that any discussion of dark arts took place during the budget meeting. Well, look, I don't get many spreadsheets with my job. But I will tell you right now, it could be the most meaningless spreadsheet that really doesn't have anything to do with me at all. If I see a tab that says dark arts, that's one I'm probably going to click on. That's probably one that I'm going to invest in. Wow, that's a, that, whoa, what's this about? No, not Jeff Lunau. This smart guy who's on the cutting edge of Major League Baseball. No, no, not inquisitive in any way, just passing the time. The two main takeaways, and I'm joking about it, but the two major takeaways is A, it defies any sense of credibility. And that's basically what Major League Baseball said in their report, that Jeff Lunau did not know specifically about the system. And it just strengthens my belief if this is one of the biggest scandals in baseball in recent history, right? A one-year suspension for these guys is nowhere near enough. You After this year is over, Major League Baseball will be fine with Jeff Lunau getting another shot to run another team? Someone who was in place and was directly involved in this? And doing this after being directly warned by Major League Baseball. Sit out a year, you'll learn your lesson. Really? Doesn't feel that way. And the example I keep going to, I keep going back to, John Coppolella was the Braves GM, 2015 to 2017. He resigned after committing amateur signing infractions. Signed players that were not actually eligible to be signed. His punishment, even though he resigned, was he was banned for life. And that is for infractions of amateur signing rules. Which is more serious to you? It defies, it defies any reason. It makes no sense whatsoever. Amateur signing infractions or documented system that almost certainly determined a World Series. Which, which do you think is more serious? 
I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go with the second one. The cheaters completely got away with it. And the punishment from an aspect of punishing the people who actually were involved and serving as a deterrent to future possible cases, it makes no sense whatsoever. It also makes you wonder what else the Astros were doing. Because if your front office is openly running a system that is clearly illegal, even after being warned by Major League Baseball, all bets are off at that point, aren't they? The idea that they would just say to themselves, you know what, this crosses a line. We probably should get rid of this. No, I think once, once like anything else, once you do it once, it's probably going to get easier to do. If you're able to accept that this is acceptable – and the front office is making it clear that this is acceptable. It does make you wonder. And it's not like Major League Baseball is going to do any deep dive to find out what they were doing and what they weren't doing and what they might be continuing to do. And basically what all these smart people, Jeff Lunau, A.J. Hinch, other people in the Astros, what they want, they're all smart people. And they want you to think they treat you like you're an idiot. Jeff Lunau thinks you're an idiot. A.J. Hinch thinks you're an idiot because the, the reason given, the, the, the excuse is given. They don't they, – they have absolutely no credibility whatsoever. You have emails sent to Jeff – oh, I didn't read those emails. I mean, come on. And it's not like Major League Baseball was going to make sure they got to the bottom of every single thing. I'm sorry. They weren't. And the punishment here, it's like sweeping it under the rug and let's move along. So the first you have, you have the Jeff Lunau thing. And by the way, do you think it's a coincidence that on the same exact day that the Wall Street Journal puts out this article that's basically putting all the blame at the feet of Jeff Lunau, that A.J. Hinch also just so ha- – same day – just so happens to have this interview – where he tries to show that he takes responsibility. Spoiler alert, if you've seen the interview, if you haven't seen the interview, we'll play a little bit of it coming up. He really didn't. That whole interview was designed for one thing, to make him seem sympathetic. A lot of interesting uses of the terms I and we. When it's really bad, it was we. When he wants to seem like he's taking responsibility for it, well, I should have done a better job. But the biggest thing about that conversation, I, can't, I, don't, I don't know if you could say it was an interview, a very easy landing spot, a very sympathetic ear in Tom Perducci. And you can see that generally by the complete lack of any follow-up questions whatsoever. So coming up, we'll let you hear some of the A.J. Hinch interview if you didn't get to see it or hear it yesterday. And what the biggest takeaway is, and it has nothing about to do with – whether or not the title is tainted has nothing to do with whether or not he took responsibility or not or what he did do or what he didn't do. It has to do with one of the stories that kind of has been out there and nobody has been able to give you a hard answer one way or the other. And A.J. Hench certainly did not close the door to it with the answer he gave yesterday. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. My kids have had the flu. I got tested for the flu and they said I don't have it, which see, I feel like the whole thing is a scam. Like the whole flu shot, it's like 50% effective. I looked at, at when they give you the flu test, even the accuracy of that at best 
according to the CDC, is 70%. They put it at 50 to 70%. Flipping a coin is 50%. So my kids have been uh, dealing with the flu. I take my son one day. He's got flu type B. So I take him. They give him the Tamiflu, right? And they go through the, the list of side effects. They say if he, if he experiences any of this, stop use. And it's the normal things. Nausea, vomiting. They say a couple other things. They say hallucinations. I said, whoa, 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 what? Wait a second. I'm sorry. Go back? Yeah, sometimes people experience hallucinations. I said, really? So my son is like a medicine champ. So he takes it, no problem. He gets over it. A couple days later, my daughter, she gets it. She goes, my wife takes her. She has flu type A. So we got them both covered. These kids, they never can agree on anything. They can't even agree on the same strain of the flu. One's got A, one's got B. So my daughter, she gets the – and my daughter's the kid. I think everybody has one kid that hates the medicine. They think you're trying to poison them. That's my daughter. So, But she takes the Tamiflu because we explain to her in detail, we're not trying to murder you. We love you. So she takes it. She goes to bed. Midnight comes into the room. Says, Daddy, why are you screaming? I said, now I'm a weird sleeper. So it is possible I was screaming. But my wife didn't wake up. And if I was screaming, you know. You would think that she would, but I didn't rule it out completely, but I take her back to bed. No, I'm not. I'm, I, I said, I don't know if I was screaming or not, blah, blah, blah. A couple of hours later, maybe an hour and a half later, she comes back in. She said, daddy, you're screaming basketball players names. And that's what I knew it was hallucinations because not that it's possible. I could have been screaming, especially with the Knicks stuff lately. I could have been screaming basketball players names, but there's literally no chance that my daughter knows a basketball player's name. She's not into sports in any way. So the fact that she was saying that I was screaming basketball players' names told me, you know what, we got to cease use of the Tamiflu. I was actually thinking about taking the Tamiflu. I was looking to see how the hallucinations would manifest themselves in me. What, what, what am I going to start hallucinating about? I'm thinking about taking it just, just to, you know, it's the weekend, right? See what, see what I got up my sleeve. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday night, baby. Big by, Saturday night of the Damer household. By the way, I don't want to. I don't want to speak negativity into your life. Uh huh. No, you love doing that. Who are you kidding? But there is this uh, popular virus going around. Right. The corona. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Right. But, you know, but uh, maybe that hit the corona. Well, no, Damer I have house. not. I have not been to China. So yeah, but I'm fairly confident. Even if, I was not confident that I was not screaming names, but I, I'm fairly confident. At no point did I have any uh, trips to China. But I did read yesterday that they've discovered some cases in Jersey. Right. Well, I think it's probably unlikely. It's pro. It's like the old line about if you hear hoofbeats in North America, it could be zebras, but it's more than likely horses. Right. Like it's more than likely that it's just a cold. And I'll just take some Sudafed and I'll feel better tomorrow. But if I do pause for dramatic... Tamiflu. It's not, right. I'm, I don't know, man. We'll see. The wife's probably going to be in bed early tonight. So, you know, I'm sitting downstairs in the man cave. Maybe to pop a couple of Tamiflu in there, see where it takes me. You know? Might be on the... I might wake up in somebody's yard in my underwear. Who knows? If it if it happens, if you see it in the paper... Yellow you know Bobby why. Portis. Right. You never know. You never know how these things uh, turn out. All right. So it is the Gordon Dammer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. So if you hear me pause, it's probably because I'm coughing my head off. So... But uh, I didn't want to hallucinate. Right. I, if, I, I, if my hallucination, if all of a sudden I'm having a dream that the Knicks did something well, then you know I'm having hallucinations. That's the only reasonable explanation that it could possibly be. But we're talking about the Astros, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So A.J. Hinch has his big interview on MLB Network. And as I said yesterday, that's what, if A.J. Hinch clearly wants to manage again, 
And it really seems like after this year is up, he'll get a job. Certainly seems like when I don't know what the punishment's going to be for Alex Cora, but what, say if it's a year, if it's two years, it seems like nah, still in good graces. Whereas the personality of Jeff Lunau seems like, and and the uh, you know the coordination of the AJ Hinch interview on the same day that the Wall Street Journal comes out with a story placing all of the blame basically at Jeff Lunau's feet doesn't seem uh, coincidental. Let's put it that way. So here's AJ Hinch with his redemption tour on MLB Network. The interviewer is Tom Verducci. And this is the first clip I think everybody has already heard about whether or not the championship 2017 of the Astros is tainted. Here's A.J. Hinch. It's a fair question. And and I think everyone's going to have to draw their own conclusion. Um, I hope over time and, and, and the demonstration with the talents of, the, of this team, the players, the the careers that are that are being had. We have some of the best players in the entire sport all together on the same team. I hope over time um, it's proven that it wasn't. But I understand the question. It's a fair question, and people are going to have to draw their own conclusions. Unfortunately, we opened that door um, as a group. And, and that question I may never be answered. We may never know. Um, and we're going to have to, to live and move forward and be, be – be better, um, better in the sport. But um, unfortunately, no one can really answer that question. I, I can't pinpoint what <laughs> advantages or what 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 happened no. or what um, exactly would have happened otherwise. Um, but we did it to ourselves. We did it to ourselves, right? It's not I there. It's we did it to ourselves. That's a long way. That is a minute and three cut. I don't know how many words he used. That's a long way to go to say, yeah, of course it's tainted. The team has been disgraced as a result of this. Of course the title is tainted. You won the World Series in seven games against the Dodgers and likely, at least in some of those games, knew what pitch was coming. (laughs) Knowing what pitch is coming, it's not a debatable point of whether or not that's a huge advantage. And they knew what pitch was coming. They won the American League Championship Series in seven games. And almost certainly in in games, knew what pitch was coming. So, of course, the championship is tainted. If he wanted to show real responsibility and was not so much focused on his next managerial job, I think A.J. Hinch, if he was being honest, should say, yeah, it is. There's no other way around it. But no, he leaves it, well, you know, it's up to be decided. I hope in time that people can... Nonsense. That's not even remotely close. So that was the clip that was out there before the interview aired yesterday. But the other ones that I wanted to touch on, and really this was such a soft interview. And you can tell, it's not so much the questions that are asked. It is the fact that there's no follow-up questions. You ask the question and you immediately move on. Where a lot of these needed further clarification. I'm not sure if this one – I don't know the, the timing of it, uh, and if this one came first or the other one came first. But here's A.J. Hinch on the story about he used a bat to hit the monitor. That was one of the big things that he was trying to get across in the interview. He didn't like the system, but he didn't talk to the players about it. But he did hit the monitor with the bat. Here's A.J. Hinch. You know, my mindset at that point was to demonstrate that I didn't like it. So what did, what, what did you do? I hit it. I mean, I just, a bat. I mean, I didn't like it. You took a bat to it. Yeah, I didn't like it. 
I, I, in hindsight, I would have had a meeting. I should have had a meeting and addressed it face forward and, and really ended it. All right, and here he is talking about why you didn't stop the players from doing it. I wish I would have. I really do. Um, I think um, I think that's a big question that I'm going to process over um, what's now a season-long suspension. I think it's something that I've continued to think about um, you know, certainly through the investigation and when you have to openly talk about it. Um, I wish I would have done more. Right is right and wrong is wrong, and we were wrong. We were wrong. Um, it's interesting to me that he says, first off, he's, there's no follow-up, right? Like you hit it with a bat. Okay, was it destroyed? Did you destroy it with a bat? Did, did it need to be replaced? Also, were the players around when you did this? Do the players know that you're the one who destroyed it? He says, I wish I would have done more. Well, yeah, because you didn't do anything. Like, we don't even know whether or not the players know he's the one that destroyed it. So he can say that he didn't endorse, he didn't believe, he didn't want them to do this type of stuff. He did basically nothing to display that to the players. But that's the problem with having a lack of a follow-up question. The other example I thought in the interview where another – it just when you're watching it, you're saying, whoa, 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 we're done with that already? I think I need a couple of more. And, and the thing about destroying it with the bat, I would just simply wonder, did you destroy it because you're upset it didn't work? Like is there – he keeps talking about, well, we don't know if it worked, if it didn't work, what, what the actual results were in terms of games. Well, are, are there examples you can give where it did not work? Because I didn't see any in the interview last night. And I would think if you're saying, if your point is, well, we don't know really what impact this whole had on, on us winning or it's not winning. I would think that you would come up with at least a couple of examples of, well, here we go. We weren't able to do this that well. And it cost us in this in this spot, in that spot. Not so many examples of that. Interesting. But here's the other question that as soon as you hear it, you, you have to follow up on it. Here's A.J. Hinch on the accusation that the Astros eventually moved on to a more sophisticated system than banging on a trash can, which is basically every system. Banging on a trash can is the least sophisticated. Did your team wear buzzers? That's been an allegation that's been made. Major League Baseball came out and said that they found no evidence of it, but they didn't say it didn't happen. So here's A.J. Hinch. Did your team wear buzzers? We got investigated for three months, and the commissioner's office did as thorough an investigation as anyone could imagine was possible. I mean, I know he mentioned the, the emails and the texts and the messages. Um, and I believe him. That's not a no. That The first question, he went a long way around without just saying yes. And that question, at no point did he say no. He said no. The uh, investigation didn't find any of it. That's not a no. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And it's almost my takeaway is clearly it did happen. Because if it didn't happen, if it's out, if it's outrageous on its face, you're AJ Hinch and it never happened and you know for a fact it didn't happen, you would come out and say, nope, didn't happen. That is ridiculous. Of course we didn't do that. Much like he came out and, and during the uh, playoff series against the Yankees in 2019 about the whistling, came out and was adamant, oh, it's ridiculous. Why doesn't he have that same fervor when it comes to the buzzers? And how there can't be a follow-up question about that. It's simply, the question is, you didn't say it didn't happen. 
Are you saying it didn't happen or you don't have knowledge that it happened? I think he's putting it out there. Well, I I don't uh, the Major League Baseball's investigation didn't find it. So I'm not going to confirm nor deny because who knows what the next shoe might be to drop. Because if he comes out and says, no, this absolutely did not happen, and then Mike Fires or somebody else comes along, well then, if he gets caught lying a second time, that's going to hurt his chances of ever getting another managerial job. But it seems like after this year is over, A.J. Hinch, he will have another managerial job. Which is kind of crazy to me that the punishment for having this huge scandal that he knew about, Lunau knew about, is going to be basically a one-year suspension and you will be right back running a team again. I'm not saying he can't be involved in baseball, be a scout, be, I don't know, something. But to think that those are the only two people that have been punished, the other people who put the system in place in, in Houston, according to the Wall Street Journal article, are still part of the Houston Astros organization. And now these two guys, maybe not Lou now, because people apparently don't like him, but... A.J. Hinch, the redemption tour, that's, that was what that was looking to accomplish last night. Make him seem sympathetic, make him seem contrite and apologetic and taking responsibility. When, when the real questions about taking responsibility were posed, he took a pass. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. A, the Wall Street Journal article, which the big takeaway there is that Jeff Lunau must think that Major League Baseball's investigators, as well as you and I, are idiots when there's PowerPoint presentations being presented about how they're using a system called Codebreaker and is referenced as the team's dark arts. Emails sent to him that he responds to doesn't know anything about it. The smartest people always think that you're an idiot. And a lot of times I am. I am the idiot, but not this time. Even for me, this one I can pretty much figure out. The takeaway from the A.J. Hinch interview, MLB Network, with Tom Verducci, was that for me, it's pretty clear the Astros completely wore buzzers. He at no point said, no, that's ridiculous. And if it's ridiculous, coming from a team that clearly cheated, got away with it, won a World Series as a direct result of it, and you're asked about fur, I mean, it just makes sense, right? You start this program as one thing, it develops into something else. You're not going to have year after year of banging on a trash bag, a, tr- a trash can. And even at one point he was asked about that. He's like, yeah, I did, a, I did notice it. You know, there's a lot of noise going on. It's a guy banging on a trash can right behind the dugout. What are you talking about? That could be going on for five minutes. And why is somebody – who's banging? So the idea that this took him a little while to get up to speed with, come on. It's just – come on. It's clear one thing. He wants to get back into managing. He's not going to say anything inflammatory. He's going to try to make it seem like he's he's, uh, contrite and apologetic. I'm so sorry. I did wrong. Blah, blah, blah. No credibility whatsoever. All right. Let's get some calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN. Sean is in Jersey. Sean, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. Good morning, man. Um, I just this just blows my. Uh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Like, like Charlie Hustle is banned from baseball for the rest of his life. When 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 cheating in baseball is it's been you know it's I'm not going to say it's been uh, they turn you the cheek, but court, you know um, you know Negro with the knuckleballs. I mean all these different things, and then you know these guys you know. 
directly took action, which led to them winning the World Series. And all we're talking about. All right, Sean. We, we got. We have to get you. You got to get a better phone line there. I think his point was, yeah, Pete Rose. Well, look, Pete Rose did it to himself. Pete Rose lied, got caught, lied about it. We detailed this. I think it was last week that he had other offers of suspensions, but he took the one. He took the indefinite ban, thinking that he was going to get back in right away. He was going to get back in basically in a year, and that was a bad gamble on his part. Um, for Pete, that's not exactly uh, out of the realm. You know, that's something that happened to him a lot. He was clearly betting on baseball. Major League Baseball had him dead to rights. And he was betting on the Reds. And he lied about that and lied about that and lied about that. And baseball told him, come clean, get your life in order, and you'll be back. And he never did that. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna compare the two. Pete Rose, did what his result is a result of what he did to himself. It's not just what Major League Baseball did. And it was clear the thing that Major League Baseball, it's in all the clubhouses, don't bet on baseball. And he did. And he got caught. And he lied about it forever. He could have come clean. He could have been back in. But it was the, it was the direction that he took his life by not making the changes necessary. Brian is in the Bronx. Brian, what's going on, man? What's up, Gordo? How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to follow up on that. Piggyback off you. Kind of stole my thunder a little bit. But, again, Pete Rose. You know, what's the difference from Pete Rose and the Astros? Because they've been being accused for years. Oh, you guys cheating. Trevor Bauer's been calling them out. Uh, even the Astros. And uh, they kept saying, no, 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 no. They got caught cheating. They lied about it. And then they got caught again. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's baseball is supposed to have this utmost integrity. And, again, that's one of the reasons why I love this sport because – we try to think, think of it as to be one of the most purest sports out there besides the steroid era. But it, it, it's, it's unacceptable that Pete Rose, one of the legends of the games, that he's not in the Hall of Fame. And that meanwhile, these managers are going to have another job next year. And you still have current Astro players that have verified cheaters that are still playing ball and being idolized. They're cheaters. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, look, I, I have no problem, Brian, if your point is is that, that people should have been punished harder in the Astros part of it. Absolutely. To me, A.J. Hinch should not ever get another managerial job. He had a managerial job. And I get that he was a kind of in a, a bit of a tough spot. When he coached, in, or he's a manager in Arizona, it seems like when he got fired after two years, part of it was that his relationship with the players wasn't as good as it needed to be. And he probably was a little leery of doing something directly to players that they wouldn't like. And maybe he loses credibility. So maybe he's in a bit of a tough spot there. But then don't tell me while I destroyed the, the monitor. Oh, I could have done more. Yeah, you could have done anything. That's the difference here. It's not like people keep comparing this to the steroid stuff. Look, players are always going to look for an edge and bend rules, break rules. I get it. But this was an organization and the people that were supposed to be the gatekeepers, the people who were supposed to be the ones who would tell players, hey, don't do this type of stuff. They were the ones who were directing it. Yes, the players took it from there, but the reason why it was in place was because of the front office and the fact that the manager never did anything to prevent it from going on. But do you know why the manager never pre- prevented it from going on? Because, well, because they probably wouldn't have listened to him. Not just that, but they were in the midst of winning the World right. Series. It was right. working. Absolutely. Of course I, it works. I, I love how he all of a sudden regrets it. I should have done more. No, you don't. You don't wish you had done more. No. not. You were the best team in baseball. Not at the expense of winning the title. 
Now, maybe if they didn't win the title that year, sure, then he probably, yeah, you lose your job and you're not really positive that you'll get another job based on the, the scandal that it is. But it looks pretty much right now like he's going to get another job. If you inject him with truth serum and you give him two options. No, one is, do it again. One is. Absolutely do it again. You win the title, but you, you do so by cheating. And two is you, you stop cheating, but you don't win the title. Is he going to take option A or option B? Of course. B? He's going to take the one where they win the title. Of course. No. Uh, that's why it really – like he didn't give you anything yesterday where he really came out on a strong note and said, this is – this is what I did. This is what I didn't do. Cause it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it has no credit. He has no credibility on it at this point. So it's almost like talking really doesn't help his case because nobody's going to believe him anyway. And it just feels like the whole thing is just as a way to kind of get the recovery tour going. You go to MLB network, you get a nice soft interview. It's not going to really have any follow up questions. The idea that people think that a one year ban for what actually went on and what his role in it was is mind-boggling to me. Let's go out to our buddy Spike in Jersey. Spike, what's up, man? Good morning. Uh, one quick uh, I'll get to the baseball in a second. By the way, I hope your kids are feeling better. Uh, it was rumored that Steve Mills was let go because before the NBA draft, he was screaming the name of draftees in the middle of the night. Maybe. Never that, know. I'm telling you. Nilakina! Knox! What are you doing? You know, anyway, listen. This guy's lying through his teeth. And then going to Viducci, who's very good, a terrific writer when he was with SI, I believe. Uh, terrific. But uh, this guy was, it was just so full of crap. That's the only way I could say it. Say nothing. So, you know, all he had to do, it goes back to the Nixon tapes, all he had to do was look in the camera and say, I screwed up, I apologize, and I hope you can accept my apology. And it would have come off much better. Yeah. Don't you agree? Absolutely. If he would have said, you know what, we did it. It resulted in our winning a title. It was an absolutely tainted championship at this point. If he gave me that, that would be something I'd say, you know what, at least this guy is showing some contrition. But he didn't do that. I don't know. I don't know how much it impacts. It's, it's tough to say. It's really, it's tough to say. Well, we know you won. And we know you did it throughout the entire year. And you knew it was wrong. So if you did it throughout the entire year, you knew it was wrong, and you won, I'd have to think that it was effective, that it worked. Let's go out to Tony in Staten Island. Tony, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? So I don't know I don't know all the details of last night. I'm coming in late on some of uh, whatever the whatever spoke, but whatever the uh, decisions were. But to Brian's point, okay, who called, what Pete Rose did and what this all this cheating scandal the last few years – are totally different. Okay, he bet on baseball, and when he says he didn't bet on his team, guess what he didn't do? Tonight, he's not going to play that pitcher because guess what? Tomorrow, he's going to bet on his team. Oh, today. absolutely. No, absolutely. Okay? And that's the point, Brian. You know, and that's the point, Gordon. You know, it's, it's, let's not compare the two things. And I bet you if it was any different manager, they would have never gave him the opportunity to ever come back into baseball. Only because it was Pete Rose, the all-time hits leader, you know, all, all of his accomplishments. That was the only reason they would have ever uh, had him come back. So I just want to make those points. Don't ever get confused that he never bet against his team, okay, to lose. Yeah, okay? no, I, I, he, they, they had him dead to rights. And, again, even with having all the information, and, Tony, thanks for the call, even with having all the information that they clearly had against Rose, Rose could have come clean, admitted what he did, got his life in order, and he could have been back at some point. But he didn't do those things. And it's almost like it's not a comparison, but it, it's, it, you know, to take away the Hall of Fame 
it's not the, the greatest crime ever. You know, you're just simply not going to allow him to have this day that honors him when he disgraced himself. Like, it's this, it, is there a greater moment of honor than being elected to a Hall of Fame? And you're, you would allow that? I don't even think he would get in now based on, you know, the, the writers, or even if he was up for, up for debate because of everything that's gone on and how long it's been. Maybe he would. But, I mean, how could you allow somebody that did something so dishonorable? And it wasn't like he didn't know or he didn't – he knew. Everybody knew. So trying to make that comparison I think is uh, is uh, not a good one. It, it, completely two different cases and you can argue about which one is worse and this and that. Pete Rose did it to himself. And he has nobody to blame but himself. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Well, you know, Major League Baseball's investigation didn't find any – okay, but did you do it? That's not a no, AJ. Would you like to clarify and actually have actually have the chance to say something that is real and say 100% we did not do that? If it's, a, if it's a, a completely untrue, say so. You have your chance. And he didn't. And his answer actually led me to believe that was my major takeaway from the AJ Hinch interview. The Astros absolutely used buzzers. There might not be any smoking gun, but the circumstantial evidence is enough to put it together for me. You know that this team would use any system at all to be successful. That was the reputation of Jeff Lunau, that he had, didn't care about hurting people's feelings or anything like that, or the rules and the non-rules. He was all about success at any cost. You got caught cheating in one way, which is the most rudimentary system that you could have banging on a trash can. So it would only make sense. You have this super effective system that pays dividends, that works. You win a World Series title. And then to think that for somehow that players would say, you know what, this is this is crossing a line. After you won, after you put this system in place and it works. It's ridiculous. So the uh, Astros stuff is still out there if you want to get in on that. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3777. Seven six, but of course we also this week had your New York Knicks. The Knicks not only decide finally to move on from Steve Mills out after all these years being as part of the uh, the organization, and when that happened two days before the trade deadline, I thought it was unfair that the Knicks were getting criticized for making the move two days before the trade deadline. Well, what do you want to do it two days after the trade deadline? Isn't it better to do it before? Like, wouldn't it have been better to get rid of Phil Jackson before the draft rather than allowing him to draft Frank Nielakina and then getting rid of him? Same thing with Mike McCagnan. Wouldn't it have been better to have him out as the GM of the Jets before the draft, before free agency? I think it would have been. So whenever you can make the – now look, if you had a time machine or you could go back two, three years ago, that would be great. But not even the Knicks have a time machine. So once that happened and you knew that Steve Mills was out, okay – Great. Take your time. You you have a do-over now. You're resetting. There's nothing left to play for this year. Wins at this point are counterproductive. There's nothing left to play for in this Knicks season. It's a lost season. It's going to be another lottery season. And where you go from there, okay, fine. But it's about finding the person who is now going to lead you out of the doldrums. Lead this organization, which has been a mess 
for years and can't seem to get out of its own way time and time again. So here's your chance. There's nothing pressing. You have nothing to play for this year. Go through all the names. Don't just do the quick thing. Do the right thing. Of course, the Knicks don't do that. Basically, within 24 hours, it went from Masai Ujiri is the candidate that James Dolan sees as the chosen one with the possibility that they could also investigate maybe a player agent. 24 hours later, the price is far too great on Masai Ujiri, and the Knicks are, 24 hours after that basically, are going to go with Leon Rose as their next team president. They're going the agent route. And I will preface it, as I'm sure everybody has, we have no idea whether or not Leon Rose will be the right move, the wrong move. Nobody actually knows. I will preface that. I don't know. Maybe he'll be the right guy. Let's hope so. But we ran through this yesterday. The two big takeaways are two big questions, and they're pretty simple, and I think the answers are pretty simple. The first one is, is Leon Rose the best candidate for the job? That's the first, that should be the only goal of finding the next team president. Who is the best candidate? Not the fastest one. Do it right for once. And it feels like that this move is very reminiscent of other moves because when you tell – and look, I don't know how he's going to run the team. Maybe he'll bring in a general manager who's going to focus on the draft and all these different things. That would be great. But when you make the move, you rush to make a move to hire an agent, it certainly seems reminiscent of the way the Knicks have approached things in the past. And that is to go after the big stars, get them to come here, and build your team primarily that way. And that has been a mistake. That's not even a question. It might be a question if Leon Rose is going to try to do that, but it's no question that for the Knicks, that has been a mistake. So the first question you have to ask when you hear this news is, is Leon Rose the best candidate for the job? Well, I think he's clearly got to be better than Phil Jackson or Steve Mills. That's not going to be very hard. Imagine what it would take for him to be worse than that. But he's a guy who has never done the job before. And there are plenty of people involved in front offices that have a track record. So to me, this again was not the time to go outside the box, mainly because when the Knicks go outside the box, they don't have any success. And this is completely an outside the box kind of hire. Could it work? Maybe. But the Knicks don't have a great track record doing it. And their track record of going outside the box, while Leon Rose doesn't have any track record as a team president, the Knicks do have a track record of trying to go this insightful hire, going counterintuitive. That was Phil Jackson. That was Isaiah. All these moves that they make. And the second question When the Knicks make this kind of hire, what they're saying to you is, trust us. Trust us. We know what we're doing. Yes, this is not the traditional candidate. But we know what we're doing and we know that this is the answer to fix what ails us. And I don't see how anyone 
given the Knicks track record. And this is really more about the Knicks than it is really about Leon Rose. Leon Rose will get his chance to, you know, somebody called up yesterday and said, you got to give the guy a chance. Well, look, everybody's going to give him a chance. He's got the, if he gets the job, he's going to have the job. We, we can't move him out. So we'll all sit here and, and, and judge him by the moves he makes. And if he's great, everybody will say he's great. If in two years the Knicks are back in the playoffs and really building a contending team, and everybody will be on board. Nick fans are even on board right now, so everybody will be on board if they have any signs of success. And it's not going to be hard to have some signs of success considering where you're coming from. God, if he doesn't have some success with this Motley crew, I mean, geez, if it keeps going like this for another couple of years, boy, oh boy. So when the Knicks are saying to you, trust us, I would just simply say, I don't, because you've not really done anything to garner that trust. And I would simply say, if there's a lot of people who think that this is a, a good hire, that this is a smart hire, an outside-the-box, counterintuitive kind of hire. I would just simply say, well, has Leon Rose ever been offered another kind of job like this? Like, there's a lot of smart organizations in the NBA, and there's other ones that have gone the, the agent route, right? The Warriors, the Lakers, those are different, though. So was Leon Rose ever offered this position someplace else? And was it the Knicks that were able to steal him away? It doesn't seem like I haven't heard any reports of Leon Rose getting an opportunity to do this anywhere else. And in terms of people that will cite either Bob Myers with Golden State or Rob Palenka with the Lakers, that's not this. Bob Myers, when he came on board, first off, he was hired and was supposed to apprentice for a year. So it was pretty clear that the Warriors said, all right, you've never done this job before. Let's get you, get, get you used to things so that there's not this giant learning curve. Also, when he came on board, he already had Steph Curry and he already had Clay Thompson. He didn't draft them. They were already on board. Are there any Clay Thompsons or Steph Currys with the Knicks? I don't think so. As for Rob Palenka, it's great that he was able to land LeBron, but I don't even believe that he met with LeBron. I think that was Magic Johnson, and I don't even, most people don't even give Magic Johnson really credit because it seemed pretty clear that LeBron just wanted to go to LA no matter really who was running the show. So I don't understand why the Knicks felt the need to make this move. I don't know why they felt like they needed to make this move this quickly. What was the rush? Why not take your time and get it right for the first time ever? 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls involved on the Knicks stuff because to me, this is just more of the same. This is the same move. The names change. But this is the same kind of move they've made a hundred times before. And I'm sorry, I'm not ready to move on from some of the better candidates, the more traditional candidates, because that was the direction the Knicks should have gone. Even those guys who are under contract. So we'll get into that too. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. I saw that uh, Ford versus Ferrari was available on Amazon. I've not seen that yet, and I've heard good things. And I know that's, that's a movie that my wife would not care about seeing at all. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go home, sleep for a little bit, wake up, eat like an animal, and watch this Ford versus Ferrari. Are there people buying movies, like just throwing money around like it doesn't matter? Because I want to rent it, and they don't give you the option to rent it. You can only buy it for $20. It's not a kid's movie that I'm going to watch a thousand times in a loop for the next year and a half. It's not uh, Wreck-It Ralph, which I I actually ended up watching yesterday. There's nothing else on. Wreck-It Ralph's a good movie. 
a lot of deeper themes in that movie. It might be the flu talking or whatever I got going on, the bronchitis, but uh, that's a deep movie. A lot of themes about that, you know, about how you feel about yourself, the labels that society puts on you. I don't know. It's pretty good. What do you mean there was nothing on last night? Nothing on when I was in the afternoon. What time are you talking? I don't know, 3 o'clock-ish. Oh, I, th- I was going to say Pacers-Raptors last oh, night. It was God. a pretty I mean, good game. No, I, I slept good on my own. I didn't need the Pacers. Ra- Raptor, come, Raptors. Come, come my way. That's all right. Raptors on a 13-game winning streak. Yeah, there you go. Two cool. of the best teams in right. the Eastern Conference yeah. right now. No need for that Masai Ujiri guy. You don't need him. Don't Two first-round picks I saw you said you'd trade for him. Of course you would. If you could solve the problem of the Knicks, you wouldn't give up two first-round picks prior to this year, which the jury's still completely all out on R.J. Barrett. Prior to this year, your last two first-round picks were Kevin Knox and Frank Nielakina. And the one you hit on prior to that, you traded away. Right! (laughs) You wouldn't give up. And the other thing that people keep saying, well, the future's bright, you have all these first-round picks. Great! Then trade two of them and solve the problem. How would you feel if you knew the person taking over absolutely could not only do the job, is the best at doing the job, or at least among the best in doing the job? That is what just drove me nuts about the Messiah Jiri thing, where it seemed like when the Mills move was happening, right, he's out, the first name you hear. And I don't want to hear about the roadblocks. Are there roadblocks to hiring Messiah Jiri? Yes, there are. And as I said yesterday, you know what the approach is? Damn the torpedoes. I don't want to hear about the prestige of the garden, the mecca of basketball, all these things. If when you get a little resistance on something, you buckle and say, well, you know, it's too expensive. Two first round picks. I would do that in a heartbeat, mainly because the Knicks have showed you and other teams have showed you. It's pretty easy to be able to recoup those first round picks if you want to. And even if you give up two of them, what do they have? Eight over the next five years now? Okay, great. You have six. And you'd have six with someone who actually knows what to do with them. That's the best guy. Go get him. You want to change the narrative? Go get the best guy. Well, you know, he's under contract. Contracts are made to be broken. Until he gives you a hard no, I have no interest in coming here. I have no interest in in taking over the Knicks. That should be the guy. And if it turns out that he does tell you that, okay, fine. Well, next up, Sam Presti. Would you, do you want to come here? And the same offer applies. But the excuses that I heard about moving off Masai Ujiri as fast as they did, it's going to be too expensive. Wouldn't, how expensive has it been for nothing? For the last 10 years, you've basically done nothing. For the last five years, you've done basically nothing. Here you could solve the problem for once and for all. The only good news is, is that with the Knicks' current trend lines, by the time Yusai Ujiri's contract is up in a year and a half, the Knicks will be back in the market for another team president or GM. All right, let's get some calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. We sometimes take some wacky ones. D in Queens wants to praise Steve Mills. D, what's going on, my man? Hey, how are you? I'm good. Oh, this is an interesting, really interesting time. It is. I, I, I have to say that while it's, it's kind of conflicted at the Garden and it's kind of tough, I guess Jackson had total control, you have to do one thing. When you're crucifying this guy for not winning enough, you have to acknowledge that 
that that Mills grabbed the draft picks and cleared the space, acknowledged something. You know, this guy was well, but he, he threw away the the picks. I mean, I mean, it certainly looks like he wasn't. And he's not the first guy to clear out cap space. The, the guy, the guy who actually got it turned around was Donnie Walsh. He was the first guy that finally got the Knicks under the cap and targeted free agents. And unfortunately. Right. When it got to Carmelo Anthony, the owner came in and said, no, we're making the trade and overruled possibly. the GM, and then he got out of the way. Po- possibly. And I will no, tell not you possibly. One- That's what happened. Okay. Well, I-, I will tell you one thing. You have to acknowledge some credit for guys that do create space and get picks. You okay. can't crucify everyone for everything. You have to go in a different direction. But, but if, you, if you don't – But, D, if you don't use the picks on players that actually contribute and you don't right. use the cap space on – any premier free agents. But if you didn't get pre- premier free agents, and I will tell you, I know quite a few players personally. I, I know quite a few players personally. And you know what they say as to why they don't want to come to the Knicks? Nothing to do with Dolan, nothing to do with Mills. You know why they don't want to come here? Why personally, the, the press. Oh, get out of here. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I think that guy was related to Steve Mills, right? Has to be. Usually they just use burner accounts. That's usually, that's like the trend. That's what the kids are doing now. That, I, I, I did not think that the, that was the way the day was going to go. That we were actually going to find Steve Mills defenders already. You got to give him credit. He cleared out all that cap space. <laughs> yeah, it's great. He didn't do anything with it. He signed a bunch of guys who the plan was to move before the trade deadline he, did, he didn't get to move any of them, but it seems pretty clear the only one guy that they were able to move and get anything back of value was the last guy they saw. Like, they almost signed him as like an accident in, in Marcus Morris. Because it certainly seemed like he was going to sign with San Antonio and then backed out at the last second. Got to give him credit. You got to give him credit. Wayne Ellington. Bobby and, and Portis. Look, the, and, and to be fair, while I also think he did a terrible job, the real person in the Knicks organization, at least the first person in the Knicks organization who said, we're not going to keep trading away first-round picks and treating them like fun coupons off Jordan Belfort's yacht, was Phil Jackson. That was the first person who did that. Coop is in Brooklyn. Coop, what's going on, man? Yeah. Hey, good morning, Gordon. Good morning, everybody. Listen, I think that, you know, getting Rose is a good, it's a good look because, you know what, we got Rose. He knows the players. He knows the young guys. He's been in the agency, okay? But the thing is, that's not it. To get somebody to go with Rose, you know, you got to have Van Gundy. you got to have Mark Jackson to go with him to know how to teach them or to teach them the business and know how to, to coach, the, to also run the team and make decisions, right decisions. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to have a good coach. You build the head, and then you can, then you can shape and mold the body. You understand what I'm well, saying? Well, I think, I, Coop, I th- look, there's a lot of things that the Knicks need to do better. I think it has to start with better talent evaluation and being able to put a front office in place that actually has a plan and is actually able to carry out that plan. Steve Mills had a plan, but that plan was uh, was was doomed from the start because no free agents wanted to come here. And he moved his exactly. biggest piece, exactly. his best piece, and traded him away, and he got back cap space to sign guys who never wanted to come here. All right, what well, well, more? I'm um, gone. Don't you think now that Rose know these people, they want to come to New York now? If they <sighs> get Rose, and then you know they get good, they get a good coaching. You're you're gonna have to even Leon Rose, and we'll see if he hires a GM that uh, has some respectability, has done the job before, some names that you hear, you you, you like. We'll see, but 
no matter what the approach is, the Knicks are going to have to kind of build something on themselves. It's funny to me. The big takeaway after the summer was, and it was the right the, the right to take after the summer. You can't expect free agents to come here when there's nothing here and expect them to save you from yourself. You're going to have to kind of do the work yourself first. Build something first, and then a couple of years down the road, if you have a free agent that's available – and you want to spend on, okay, fine. But then you bring them in to a, a system that's already kind of built up a little bit. You can't expect, with the Knicks being another, you know, what are they going to win, 24 games this year? Expect some big free agent to come in here and save you from yourself. And yet, the first time that they have a chance to kind of remake the organization, what do they do? They come out and they hire somebody who's an agent who you think is going to try to build the team by stars, chasing stars, chasing the big names and hoping that they come here. That has never worked for the Knicks. And it would, I don't think it would work for any organization. It might work for the Lakers because the Lakers are a destination. It might work for the Golden State Warriors because they had players in place when Kevin Durant became a free agent. The Knicks have nothing in place right now. So I think it's bigger than the coach. It's about building something on your own first. And whether or not Leon Rose can do that or hire the people that are going to be able – how would anybody know? He's never done that. And in terms of his clients that will be mentioned, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, those guys are under contract through 2024. This is not a quick fix. Whoever gets the job should have known that coming in. You cannot fix the Knicks over the next year and a half. There's a lot of work to be done. And if you're if you're looking for the quick fix again, I think you're going to be disappointed. And that's what the Knicks have done here for a while, looking for the quick fix. And how has that worked out? Let's go out to Justin in the Bronx. Justin. Hey, um, I, I'm so like I'm so with you. I I don't understand this, this. This they do this to us all the time. I'm only 27, and I've been watching them, and I'm 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 losing my mind. They need to rebuild from the draft. They probably don't have capable people of it, but we need to just stick to the plan. Stick to the plan and rebuild from the draft. At the end of the day, the Golden State Warriors were who they were because they drafted all those people, and then they added a free agent, like you just hit on. Yeah. The Knicks, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. there. Justin, you're nowhere. You're nowhere right now. For, um, for Anthony. What's they that? They couldn't wait a summer for Anthony, and they traded everything away, and yeah. we've never recovered from that trade. Well, no, they, I mean, well, have they never recovered from that trade? I mean, they, they certainly should have recovered by that trade by now. I mean, that trade was made in, what, 2011? Uh, so, no, they should have recovered from that trade by now, but it's just, it always feels like the quick, get rich quick scheme. It's always that buddy that you know that is, is telling you, no, I'm going to make my money on Bitcoin. You know, it's, it's always that guy who's telling you, I'm, I'm going to lose weight by eating cabbage soup for the next month. It's not really a sustainable plan. And if the plan is going to be, and I don't know that it is, but the fact that you're hiring an agent, I would think that it's because you are wanting to get into the room with players as they become free agents that he's going to be able to convince them to come here. If you go out and sign the big free agent, I don't know who the big free agent is this offseason, but you go get them. If, if you're not building up the talent base around that player, he's coming here. I mean, this roster right now is terrible. For all the talk about these young players that the Knicks have drafted, you hope R.J. Barrett, have, uh, there's no, the jury's still out on that. The jury's still out on that. Mitchell Robinson looks like a nice piece, but the jury's still out on him. And then after that, 
this roster is basically an expansion team roster. There's a long way to go. So if Leon Rose is coming in here and he gets the job and he thinks that it's going to turn around by signing a couple of big free agents because the Knicks have the cap space to do so, they'll be better. But it shouldn't be about just getting better. It's easy to get better. You could throw a dart at a board and make the Knicks better. It's about making them a real contender, building something that is sustainable, not just looking for the quick fix. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.